Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Experts Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto joined by my co-host David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. We're going to be interviewing today the newly elected Texas Railroad Commissioner, Jim Wright. But first, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine in which the cover did feature our newly elected Railroad Commissioner, Jim Wright. It has a lot of interesting articles in there, but we were very happy to introduce our readership and our listenership to this newly elected commissioner. So you don't want to miss that interview. It's coming up in just a minute. However, let me tell you about a few mixers that are coming up that you might want to attend to build your network. If you're in oil and gas or you want to network in oil and gas, these are two mixers that you don't want to miss. The first one is March 25th from 530 to 7:30. We'll be having a mixer at Fogo de Chao Brazilian Steakhouse on Westheimer. You might also want to put on your calendar a mixer set for April 22nd, 530 to 730, focusing on Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. The speaker will be Omar Garcia, Chief External Affairs Officer for the Port of Corpus Christi. For more information on either one of these mixers, please be sure to go visit shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and get your tickets. Both of these mixers will be a sold out event, so don't wait. Get your tickets now. There's also sponsorship available as well. And now it's time to welcome on uh, my co-host, David Blackman. David, uh, editor of Show Magazine. David, welcome to uh, the show this week. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. It is, but I think for our listeners, uh, which, you know, we all went through the uh, snowstorm uh, that has turned into now Snowgate, if you will, uh, we're going to talk about this. It's probably going to upset a lot of our listeners to understand what is kind of breaking pertaining to the Texas HUP PUC. So let's get into that. Uh, So Arthur D'Andrea resigned this week after recording surfaced that uh, that he was talking to state investors that was published by Texas Monthly. And what happened on that tape? What was he telling these state investors? And who are the investors? And then, of course, uh, we can get into, well, who's running this, this organization now? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was on a call with a bunch of uh, power traders, basically. They trade in energy futures. And, uh, you know, during the the big freeze event, ERCOT approved charges of up to, I think, something crazy like $9,000 per kilowatt hour of power generation during that major Arctic uh, freeze event emergency. And, uh, you know, people who actually trade in, in power uh, made big windfall, billions of dollars, $16 billion in, in windfall profits, essentially, during those three days uh, when we were at it during the worst of a freeze event that killed 57 people. Um, and so he was on a call uh, with, with these investors, uh, assuring them that, uh, you know, he was using the power of the Public Utilities Commission to, to ensure the the legislature didn't plow back uh, any of those profits that they had made, which is, you know, a very questionable use of, of a public office like that. So once that recording was published by Texas Monthly, um, he resigned uh, and he, you know, 
the, the other previous two commissioners had already resigned, uh, Deanne right. Walker, who was the chairman, and uh, Shelley Botkin. And so now uh, we have a public utility commission <laughs> with, with no commissioners, which is uh, quite an interesting uh, turn of events right now in Texas. Well, that's pretty disappointing that you would see commissions running this way and then with very little oversight. So it's good to hear that our elected officials have entered in new pieces of legislation that hopefully pass to make sure that this commission is got oversight. Hopefully they move to electing these people because I think the state of Texas, our voters can um, probably elect uh, better people than what's been appointed at this point. Pretty disappointing. So let's stay on this guy, DeAndrea. He said on that call um, that he thinks that the legislators are going to run out of time. You'd mentioned that a little bit ago um, and not do very much with the power grid. Yeah. But there's a lot of chatter everywhere going on about <laughs> this. It hasn't died down at all. Uh, what do you think? You think the legislators are just going to kick the can down the road? Well, I certainly think that some in the legislature are very focused on this. Um, you know, I mean, we, we, we look back, and I like to always look back to 2011 because we had the same thing happen in 2011, blackouts after a major Arctic event, um, and the legislature did nothing, basically, because they did run out of time, okay? And it was the same kind of session. It was a session where they were having to deal with redistricting, you know, which they do every 10 years, and that takes a lot of time. And so it's like we have the same situation now, and... I think the thought he was expressing on that call was that, well, you know, it's a 140 day session. They're probably not going to really have time to deal with some of this. Um, we, we all as Texans need to be calling our members of the legislature, letting them know in no uncertain terms that we don't want, uh, that we don't believe running out of time is a valid excuse this time. This is twice in 10 years. This same event has happened. It happens every about once a decade. Texas has a freeze event like this. We can't continue to have these kinds of blackouts during major freeze events. So I hope he's wrong about that. I know the Lieutenant Governor and the Speaker both are working very hard to get legislation in place that would require, for example, winterization of some of the power plants and pipelines. Uh, and I know there are other bills that would, uh, you know, incentivize the building of new baseload natural gas capacity, mm -hmm. which hasn't happened in 10 years yeah. uh, because the incentives aren't there. And so uh, those two things at least need to happen. And, and then there's other bills, as you're talking about reforming the way the PUC works, reforming the way ERCOT works. You know, these are important pieces of legislation, and I think it's really incumbent on all of us uh, to let our, our representatives and state senators know that this is very important this time that something effective really gets done. Exactly. It's time to start making those phone calls, and if they need to extend their session for an emergency, I can't think of anything better than this topic to be focused on, because you're right, it's going to return again. And the fact that there's just so little oversight and they can do this when we're having a major emergency. I mean, I can't imagine folks, you know, you know, that we all went through this snow gate together, but can you imagine when we had our hurricanes here, 
you know, everybody came together. It was well organized. Elected officials were out there. There was no hint of it, of this, what we're seeing. And it's just really a very sad. It's day a real me. contrast. It's a very stark contrast. And I, I think that, um, you know, Governor Abbott really, uh, you know, he'll be able to replace these three commissioners now with appointees. And I think, I hope he'll really focus on putting individuals on that board that are, that, you know, are people who have a, a bias towards getting things done rather than a bias towards, you know, uh, running out the clock. I, I think that our the traders. bias has been wrong. And uh, right. our, our traders yeah. money, especially in this area, uh, you know, you, you see a lot of uh, green deals, uh, a lot of incentives for green, but uh, rather it's wind or solar. And, it, you know, you were talking about baseload. I don't think right. that our maybe our listeners really make the connection between um, how important oil and gas energy, natural gas is when we have something like this too. And we need to continue to continue to build that base load so we have enough resources. Sure. Moving forward yeah. as well. So yeah, I mean, wind and solar are great when, when they're running, okay? When they're working, that you have to have that excess base load capacity to be able to come online during major weather emergencies like we just had. Uh -huh. and that's the whole point of it. And we haven't built any of that in 10 years. And that, is all gonna be, and that is all going to be in the oil and gas sector. And so, you yeah. know, just trying to clarify that you, we still need oil, we still need natural gas. And this was a perfect example of not investing uh, in natural gas to be able to not depend on solar and wind, yeah. but on that. Let's switch gears and talk about uh, oil prices, because, of course, uh, they're all, they are always important to us. They leveled <laughs> off this past week. <laughs> and uh, so the gains that we we got big gains that that it happened, you know, a week or so, two weeks back. Mm -hmm. Where are we going again with these oil prices? Are they here to stay for the upcoming months? Do we yeah. stay strong through the summer? Are the gas prices going to stay high at the pump? Oh, Yes, the gas prices are going to stay very high at the pump, and they're going to go much higher oh, because wow. of, of some Biden policies that are coming down the line we should talk about next week. Um, but uh, yeah, it, oil prices are going to continue to rise. I think we had a leveling off this week just because we'd had so much gain in the previous two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, but man, we had a major drawdown in, in crude stocks this week that I think are really going to resonate through the market. Um, Demand is really recovering much more quickly, I think, than, than the quote experts had anticipated a few months ago. And um, I expect that to continue as America reopens its economy, which is, is mm -hmm. happening even in some of the blue states now. Uh, even in California, the governor has basically uh, been forced to you know, reopen things like uh, indoor dining on a limited basis and movie theaters only and sports venues. And so, you know, public is demanding the economy reopen and that's really happening in a significant way now. So that's gonna mean more driving, more use of gasoline, more, more demand for crude oil. So yeah, I think we'll have rising more. prices. Right, get ready to pay more at the pump. And just to give a sneak preview too. So your next issue in Shell Magazine that will be released soon is gonna focus on the Biden administration energy policies. So it's definitely yep. an issue that our followers, our readers, and our listeners want to grab a copy of. And of course it's free. All they have to do is go to shellmag.com 
and they can get their copy. Now it's not out yet, but we'll be releasing here probably in about less than two weeks. Well, David, that is all the time that we have for this segment. However, when we return from break, we will be joined by newly elected Texas Railroad Commissioner, Jim Wright. Stay tuned, you're listening to End Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And now, David, it is time to welcome on the newly elected Railroad Commissioner of Three in Texas, Commissioner Jim Wright. Jim, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you this morning. Thank you for having me, Kim. Well, we're excited that you have joined us on the radio show because this is the first time we're having you. We've had, of course, uh, Chairwoman Craddock. We've had uh, Commissioner Christian. And now uh, we're very excited to introduce you to our listeners. Before we uh, get going with some of the questions, I'd like to give our listeners an opportunity to know a little bit about you. Can you tell us, uh, you know, why did you run for office and what's your background in oil and gas and why did you decide to run for the Texas Railroad Commission? Yes, yes. why would you do that crazy thing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that question's been asked many times. And uh, I... I've been born and raised in Texas. I uh, started my career in the energy energy, energy industry and uh, started my first company in 1991 that does environmental service related uh, uh, things for the not only the oil and gas industry, but the petrochemical and the utility industry. And naturally, when we discovered the shell years ago, our company uh, gravitated its revenue toward more of the oil and gas industry which uh, had us dealing with the commission more and more as, as time went on. And we noticed at the commission that uh, some of the rules and the way they were being applied were not really done evenly and fairly as, as the way our customers, our clients in the oil and gas industry was seeing it. So we, uh, we went to one of the commissioners and um, when I say we, I mean me and some of my client base and said, hey, we'd like to volunteer our time to create a task force to start looking at some of the issues that we feel like we need to get some resolve to because a lot of the rules at the commission haven't been changed in, in many, many, many years. And times have changed with the discovery of the shale and how industry actually handles uh, producing that product. And one of the commissioners said, sure, we'd love to have you volunteer your time to do that and I'll give you access to staff. It was, um, you know, when we got access to staff, we didn't feel like we were gaining much ground when we got that access and what we were trying to accomplish and that task force looked at me and said, hey, what would you consider volunteering and putting your hat in the ring for railroad commissioner? That was in July of 2019 and it was actually 
three days before the deadline, which was December 9th, that I went to Austin and registered to to, uh, to run for this race. And the rest is kind of history. Well, it, it certainly is history, and it was kind of amazing um, as far as you know, the outcome, and we're glad that you were elected as well. Let's switch gears and get into, and thank you, by the way, of, of, of letting us know how you kind of decided to run for railroad commissioner and won successfully. Railroad commission itself is really designed to kind of oversee all oil and gas, so the name is a little bit misleading. One of the things that you guys really, really aren't designed to do, your core business, is not to figure out this, you know, past couple of weeks, the snowstorm and all of the, the uh components that created that. So I don't want anyone to think that this was in any way the Railroad Commission's slip up or oop because it's not what you all handle. But there is a small sliver in the Railroad Commission that does handle some of uh, what we saw happening in the freeze. So the blackouts, the Arctic freeze that we had, um, tell me a little bit about the media outlets like Texas Tribune, Austin newspaper. They all tried to blame the entire issue on natural gas. They don't want to talk about the solar. They don't want to talk about the wind and what happened there. How do you respond to the media outlets that are, you know, trying to pin this all, of course, on what the little small part that the Railroad Commission does, which is handle the natural gas part of it? How did how did the Railroad Commission handle that? Let me first start off by saying that, yeah, I'm very aware of what some of the news outlet sources say about that. And I think that's, that's a continued attack on fossil fuels and, and kind of the... Uh, the way people today seem to tend and to interpret what our impact is on our environment. And I think that's uh, when you talk about people not really knowing what the Railroad Commission has authority to do, I think that goes hand in hand with uh, educating people on what fossil fuel really has an impact on the environment and what it is Railroad Commission does and how important that is for Texas and how important the oil and gas industry is for Texas. Right. right. But when you look at uh, what happened the, the past couple of weeks, you're right, Kim, the, the, uh, our reliable source of energy is created mainly by coal and by natural gas. And we have a lot of natural gas generating, electrical generating facilities that, that of course rely on our production and the means to get it there. But it takes electricity in order for that gas to get down a pipeline and get to its, its source or get to its uh, point of destination and when you do it when you cut that electricity off it's very hard to get that gas to them in fact it stops that whole system so that's that's what you saw occur whenever we went through snow snow getting i think a lot of people oh we've like heard some great names i have not heard snow getting but i like that one i'm <laughs> yeah, keeping that one, one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know and there, there's a there's a whole combination of reasons of, of why we experienced what we did during that time and and I, you know, I'm not here placing blame on anybody or COTPUC, Railroad Commission, or anyone. It's just a culmination of a lot of things that have happened over the years. And um, you know, when, when you look at the natural gas and oil industry, and you look at natural gas and where its market is, and then you allow renewables to come in because you you feel like natural gas is contributing and it's flaring flaring that occurs to our detriment of our atmosphere. The, that's where I think people are, are very misled. Yeah. You know, if you knew the truth of how we allow renewable into our grid system to supply that electricity, what the law says, and this law was created in 2007, is that they have to be allowed to supply as much 
uh, as up to as much as 20% at a minimum. So what that means is when the sun is shining and the wind is blowing, your reliable energy sources or electrical energy sources that are run off of natural gas and coal have to come off the grid mm -hmm. to let that onto the grid. Mm -hmm. so, it's, so when you, it's a form of kind of propping up this industry to make sure that it survives in comparison to the other ones uh, is, I guess, what I'm hearing you say. You know, I was in Corpus the other day. I was driving from San Antonio to Corpus, and here we go again with these big old wind turbines, and they're just coming down, tons of them. And I'm like, we, we didn't learn our lesson from the great snow Armageddon or, you know, whatever, whatever the, 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 what we just experienced that people actually died. So, you know, it's, 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 it's continuing on. When we come back from break, Jim, I know that David Blackman has some questions about the gasoline pipelines. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Join us for the Teague Midstream Mixer coming up Thursday, March 25th at 5.30 p.m. in Houston at the Fogo de Chao at Westheimer Road in Voss Street near the Home Depot. You're going to want to get your tickets now because this event is almost sold out. Featured speakers will be David Blackman, editor of Shale Magazine, and Michael Johnson, the director of communications for Howard Energy. Tickets are $20 for Teague members and $45 for non-members, but you must purchase online. That's Thursday, March 25th for the Teague Midstream Mixer in Houston. For complete details and to get your tickets, go to shalemag.com and click on the events banner at the top of the homepage. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is the newly elected Railroad Commissioner, Jim Wright. So, Commissioner Wright, the some of the natural gas pipes and plants didn't freeze up at that time either when we had this big freeze. Um, um, but what caused uh, some of the rolling blackouts wasn't when Urquhart kind of shut everything off and everything just kind of came to a stop. Some of that included the natural gas pipes, pipelines, and uh, some of the plants as well. So. Tell me a little bit about what do you think caused the rolling blackouts themselves? Was it specifically um, solar and wind that caused this? Was it some natural gas? I mean, what was the whole reason why everything just went you know, it, south? When we experienced the blackouts, more of, that's, more of that's based on what our grid system is today. You know, we, we elected back in the 90s to deregulate electricity so that we could keep our energy prices cheaper. And we all know that when you, when you vote and you have cheaper product, you, you get cheaper things that go along with that. So I'll give you an example. If you have a piece of equipment that's 50 amps and it requires those 50 amps and you try to run a really small wire to it, that piece of equipment's not going to run. You'll have to run a heavier wire to it to make it run. So if you use that same analogy in what happened in Texas, you know our population has highly increased since we've really done any upgrading to our grid system. Mm -hmm. So has our industry increased. So our demand during that time was so high with, with along coupled with population increase and industry industry increase that our grid actually could not handle the electricity being demanded. Just, just the same example as if you had a 50 amp piece of equipment that required 50 amps and tried to send it down a very small wire. So I think that was a lot of the issues in the rolling blackouts that, that we experienced. And, and I think that it was you know, it was it was kind of a uh, a failure in communication of, of what was critical sources 
so that we kept electricity being generated. But even with that, I'm not sure that we could have provided the, elect the electricity need during that time, because I don't think that our wiring is up to snuff on what our, our needs during times like that are. But I do know that legislature is looking at that very hard and mm -hmm. strong today. Mm -hmm. And I think you're gonna see a lot of changes coming from, from our experience that, that we had a couple of weeks ago coming out of our capital. Right. Well, you know, thus we have what, David, seven bills that have been filed this far, specifically. Seven priority at, bills, yeah. And, and we had Chairwoman right. Craddock the other day, right after the storm, to kind of break down. And, and she kind of explained that, they, that you all, the Railroad Commission, literally had to help Urquhart understand where the plants were to turn them back on and give them the coordinates. And that what that screamed to me was the um, these, they're not even agencies because they're not regulated uh, or overseen by the legislators, which they should. Um, they didn't really understand how important their roles were. And when it came down to a time of need, of course, uh, we saw that, that they were not prepared. And of course, we had a, a disaster on our hands. Um, and so hopefully some of the pieces of legislation, I think some of them I have, uh, heard will put these uh, bodies or these organizations under some kind of oversight to make sure that they are reviewed uh, and have to face the Sunset Commission very much just like the Texas Railroad Commission does and show them what they're doing and so there is some oversight. Um, so I think it's a good thing these seven uh, bills thus far and I don't know if there'll be more kind of do help uh, reassure the general public or it should that Yes, it happened in 2011, and yes, it happened in 2021. <laughs> I was yeah. trying to figure out what year I'm in. Um, that hopefully uh, going forward that this will be really truly dealt with at the Railroad Commission and, uh, and of course, at our, at our legislators' feet, and we won't have to deal with this anymore. When we oh, come yeah. back— You're right, Kim. We, we need to because you just can't—I mean, we shouldn't have had this in 2001, but here we are again, and so, you know, hopefully now— the legislators are going to take it seriously and put this somewhere and under someone's uh, observation and review. When we come back from break, I know David is just, you know, waiting to get uh, some questions answered too. Stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to talk more about what happened with Urquhart and, of course, the snowstorm and what are the legislators doing to obviously prevent this from happening in the future. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bellato wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio cosmetic surgery. I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim within the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. Well, welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Program. I'm David Blackman, editor of Shell Magazine with my co-host, Kim Bellotto. 
and our special guest today, uh, Railroad Commissioner Jim Wright. Jim, um, one of the big topics, you know, we're talking about the, the whole big winter freeze, and I know we're beating this to death, but it's, you know, it's important. It's, it's important. And, uh, you know, one of the big issues, one of the biggest really is this concept of winterizing all of all of the uh, the pipelines and the plants and all the other equipment that plays a big role into uh, generating our electricity in the state. And I just, uh, you know, with where the commission's concerned, it, you know, it's all about the pipelines and uh, where the railroad commission's concerned. And I just want to give you a chance to kind of talk about what would be involved in, you know, winterizing our pipelines here in Texas like they do in Wyoming and what would the cost of that be because you know that's that's going to be a big uh, topic of discussion you know david given the rarity of, of us experiencing these time type of times that we did two weeks ago i'm not sure that we we need or do we economically have the means to fully winterize that system i think it's more important to focus on identifying those systems as critical sources and as we move forward and we do encounter uh, our next hurricane or or a freezing event or whatever that occurrence may be that that our grid system knows where that electricity needs to be because if we'd have had electricity at those producing facilities and those producers facilities were flowing we'd have never had any freeze-up issues right you know we produce water gas and oil out of the ground if you let oil during freezing times or our water during freezing times like that set whether it's salt water or not it's going to freeze up. So if you have your pumps moving, just like a lot of people did during that cold time, you let your water faucet drip. If those pipelines would have kept moving, I don't think we would have had issues in, in uh, getting our product to to where it could have could have been uh, turned into electricity. And I'm not sure that we we had a, a huge problem with that right now. Any, I, I I think that there's still a lot of statistics coming out on that, but. Again, I, I think our problem was we we discourage the reliable sources that create our electricity, such as natural gas and coal, yeah. doing doing the renewable energy side. So, you know, we, we do need more reliable sources in Texas as far as electrical generation, but until we address that concern as compared to the renewable side, that's, that's a, that's that's going to be a big factor in in what you call winterization. Yeah, and that's a that's a big that's a big piece of this. I did some research, you know, and in, in in the in the wake of all this, and in the last decade, we've installed something like 19 uh, gigawatt hours of, of wind power in this state, and less than two of natural gas or coal or you know, no natural no coal. Right. It's all been natural gas in a decade. Well, that's crazy. I mean. Our, our lack of baseload uh, generating capacity is is really kind of critical at this point, isn't it? You no, know, I'll give I'll give uh, the public kind of an analysis of that. We spent uh, 7.6 billion dollars since 2007 on wiring to go to renewable energy yeah. sources. That wiring does not really help our grid system. It it just brings it from where it's generated from them to the grid. 7.6 billion dollars. If you'd have taken that same amount of money and spent it on our grid and continue to rely on reliable energy sources, I don't think we'd ever experienced what we had. And Jim, just for the listeners, so that so everybody kind of understands, you know, we talk about reliables and unreliables and baseload. So what's been happening ultimately for the last 20 years is Urquhart has been building up the solar and the wind, which are kind of really great resources if you think 
if, as long as the wind is Certain. is blowing and this you know and and it doesn't get they're they're the, good yeah they're good resources Kim as long as they have the ability to stand on their own two feet and they're good for the consumer and if people yeah. know knew that do the truth we we highly subsidize that because uh -huh. we do that in the name of protection to our environment yeah and and if you said okay uh, wind and solar you're going to have to stand on your own two feet you'd be paying the same electrical cost that you see mm -hmm. in California, which is six to eight times greater than what we have here. Mm -hmm. So I just don't think technology is there yet. I, am, I, am I for any energy source that's good for consumers and, and, and reliable? You bet. <clears throat> but I don't think it, it's there yet. What we experienced, I mean, on yeah. my understanding too is, so so we have a, a second home in, in Corpus and you, you, we're driving out there, you see all the, the, the wind farms. And, and I'm not knocking mm -hmm. it, I'm just saying though. So now all of these... Uh, thanks to the freeze, they you know they all froze up and they were kind of worthless. Now because they froze, uh, all of the uh, bearings and stuff froze, and now they're all leaking oil. And we've all seen these enormous picture or these pictures of these enormous wind uh, turbines catching fire at the top because they, they they they've run out of oil. I mean now I'm like okay we could be going into another disaster because there's so many all through Texas. And, and you know, we as consumers just don't think about these things. So now you've got another problem that potentially is looming and the same thing with, well, what are well, we gonna do? Not only with that, you know, I, I don't think people know that, you know, when they leak oil or, or they have an impact to the environment, they're nowhere near regulated as highly as oil and gas industry That's true, is. that's true. It comes like, to the environment. That's true, and I'm glad you mentioned that because they are actually, they do not have to uh, fall under the same thing as oil and gas with the endangered species. Correct. I'm like, where, well, where are the, uh, you know, animal lovers and why aren't they talking about what they do? Oh, so I'll get off yeah, of my. You know, essentially, <laughs> they, yeah, they have no environmental regulations, is, if the truth is, is known. And there is just something wrong with it. We need to have a, a level playing field. I want to get back on some of the things at the railroad. We're going to get ready for break. And I want to switch gears when we come back from break and talk about, okay, we have a session in Texas that only happens every two years. You better believe after this snowstorm that this is a critical session to figure out what happened, what went wrong. And we had, know we have seven bills on the table. So when we get back from break, I want to get into the legislative session. You're listening to In the Wall Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Join us for the Teague Midstream Mixer coming up Thursday, March 25th at 5.30 p.m. in Houston at the Fogo de Chao at Westheimer Road in Voss Street near the Home Depot. You're going to want to get your tickets now because this event is almost sold out. Featured speakers will be David Blackman, editor of Shale Magazine, and Michael Johnson, the director of communications for Howard Energy. Tickets are $20 for Teague members and $45 for non-members, but you must purchase online. That's Thursday, March 25th for the Teague Midstream Mixer in Houston. For complete details and to get your tickets, go to shalemag.com and click on the events banner at the top of the homepage. 
Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210 210- 240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Program. I'm David Blackman with my co-host, Kim Pilato, and our special guest, Railroad Commissioner Jim Wright. Jim, um, we're in a legislative session, of course, and and in every session of a legislature, I worked six or seven of them myself as a lobbyist. The the Railroad Commission budget always ends up being a significant issue because of the way the commission is funded through fees on the industry. I wanted to give you a chance to talk about that, uh, how the process is going, and and do you feel good about, uh, you know, whether the commission's going to uh, be able to achieve an adequate budget in this session? You know, I do. I feel really good about that, David. I think that this recent event has really shed light on how important the railroad commission is and our industry is for Texas, mm-hmm. given our energy requirements. Uh, and from all indications that I've heard from legislators that our budget's not really going to be touched and we'll be able to move forward on what we're, we've predicted and budgeted for. And I even I even had a great conversation with uh, some of the senators that uh, they kind of asked me if I had my wish list, what would I wish for in the next budget to come? And I said, you know, I would love to have educational dollars. I'd love to have the ability to, yeah. to get out in all the media sources and educate people again on what the Railroad Commission is and how important it is to Texas and how important the, the industry it regulates is. And I was surprised because they, they really, uh, came back and said, you know, we think that's a great idea because we also hear a lot of people ask, what does the Railroad Commission do? And I know that a lot of people talk about changing our name. I think you could call us tomato soup if you just educated <laughs> people on what it is we did. You know, I think, I've always felt that way about that issue too. And I think another area Commissioner Wright to consider is the rainy day fund, the stabilization fund of you know, it has nicknames, the rainy day fund, but it does not correlate back to oil and gas in any way. And I know that oil and gas is the majority of what makes it up, not all of it, but it would be nice to also shed some education on that because I think if the general public understood how much money is raised and how it's utilized to benefit the average Texan, they might appreciate oil and gas a whole lot more too. So I just want to put that on your radar, sir. I think my biggest concern right now and what I'm hoping legislature can get out quickly enough is is some legislation on on getting us a good bond that our our LDCs can can pull from so that we don't have a huge impact on our consumer. 
-hmm. You know, we, we saw uh, uh, electrical costs increased by, and the number last number I saw was $16 billion. If that's passed on to the consumer, a lot of people aren't going to be able to, to, to handle that. Yeah. So I think, you know, I know everybody's working really hard on that bonding issue to make that available, to stretch those costs out over a long period of time so that we don't see that as being an impact. I think that's really important right now. So, yeah. Com Commissioner Wright, what are some of the biggest things that the commission itself is dealing with right now? You know, along with the winterization, and, and I think uh, we, we proposed again to come back and make sure that we create a different government agency that's that's controlled by not only part of, of the Railroad Commission, but PUC and ERCOT representatives so that we can overlay our maps together and make sure we've identified critical sources and make sure that goes into a law, that that has to be upheld and reviewed on a timely basis. I, uh, I'm hoping that, that that passes through and that's something we've worked really hard on. I, I really commend Christy, our chairman, for, for putting that, helping put that together. Uh, I think that's that's the best we're going to be able to hope for through this legislature, given today is the last day to file the bills. Um, and we've also been addressing a lot of the flaring issues that, that ever, everyone has been concerned about. And those have been the two biggest topics that we've been working on since I've come into office. I, I was joking, <laughs> joking Go. with Christy and Wayne both, both at our last session. I said, you know, Hopefully I'll get time to work on what I really ran for. If y'all will uh, quit allowing these natural disasters to quit happening. <laughs> Makes sense. You know, it's nice to see, I know David has a question, but it's nice to see that it seems like out of the three of you guys, everyone has like their fingers in a different pot. So, so it's nice to see that it's spread out. I know that Commissioner Christian has focused a lot on flaring. So it's good to see that you guys are kind of divided up to try to handle it as a whole and bring it together. David. Go right ahead, I, David. I can't be more proud of the team we've yeah, created. It's a there. good team. It's a good team. You guys got a good team. Yeah, Commissioner, it, it uh, you know it looks to me like uh, the industry is about to go into another not, not a boom time like the last one we had with 1,100 active rigs, but a boom time uh, compared you know to to its history over time. Uh, I think we're probably going to see a continued rising rig count, and that you know that creates more active drilling sites and probably a little more flaring than we have now. And and I just kind of wonder, how do you feel just in terms of how the state's prepared uh, if we do end up going into another boom, such as, such as what I'm talking about? How are we prepared in terms of infrastructure and dealing with that flaring issue? You think we're ready for that again? And, and do you look on that as a, as a positive thing? I don't, you know, with the experience that we, we did our last time when that boom occurred and, and uh, some of the hurdles that we were trying to, to get through, I don't think that producers today are going to want to experience that again. I think they're going to approach this safely as far as our drilling program. When you see a lot yeah. of rigs moving in today, that's more based on moving into federal land because of what uh, our, our, our president today has done in executive action. And and, and there's a lot of... Lot of uh, running to get those those lands drilled before those permits right. expire. So, so you know, I, I think that's what you're seeing in, in a lot of the movement, but I think producers along with their investors are saying, hey, let's move at this. Let's make sure that we, we look at the market and, 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 and we're approaching it from more of a standpoint of sustainability. I, I think that's, that's, a, that's, that's foremost on most of our producers' minds today is, you know, 
identifying again, uh, reassessing what our market is and who our competition is and how do we approach that and keep some sustainability in our market and make sure that that economy remains steady for Texas so that we're not creating jobs and letting jobs go and all those impacts we've seen in the history with oil and gas industry that, that it has on Texas. So you're kind of thinking and predicting that the energy sector is going to grow, but grow in accordance instead of when we had oil was over $100 a barrel and it almost seemed like to be the great gold rush, but it was the oil rush and everybody just kind of jumped in and, and lost their mind. And it was a great time, well, but it was right. also <laughs> a crazy time. Well, Jim, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Uh, it was a treat for our listeners to get to know who you are, the newly elected Railroad Commission of the three of you guys. You're doing a great job. And the reason why I know that was because we did cover, uh, David Blackman did on uh, Shell Magazine, and a very, very interesting story. And uh, we're glad that you are going to be with us for the next six year as as an elected official at the Railroad Commission. But that is all the time we have for this show. We look forward to having you back on. Please feel free to let us know if you have anything that's breaking. Uh, let us know. We'll be happy to put you back on the show. But until the next time, thank you for joining us on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.